Dear Vets of Tomorrow. This is part two of the podcast with Maya and the Dutch professor Frank Meyerbaum. He's an ethicist and in this part they talk about the Centre for Sustainable Animal Stewardship, ethics on fish, animal testing and farming ethics. Please enjoy the podcast. You are also the head of the Center for Sustainable Animal Stewardship, another thing you're involved in. What is the focus of the center and what is your role there? And also, what are the main questions you try to answer with your research? The Center for Sustainable Animal Stewardship um, is established in 2017. Uh, it's a collaboration between the veterinary faculty of Utrecht University um, and the animal science group of Wageningen University. Um, and the idea that underlies the center is that both universities have an, an awful lot of uh, experience and knowledge on, on animals. Also want to be involved in societal debate. But, um, and the but is, is in two ways. One is <clears throat> there still is, um, uh, very much public debate, um, that do not use, um, all the information available. So there you could say it's it's a matter of communication. But at the same time, and that's the second part, um, there is also um, uh, much debate um, to which we do not have a proper answer from a scientific perspective. So um, the idea of the center is not only to say, well, we as academic um, center has the knowledge and now we are telling you as um, a general public what you should think or we explain why you have problems. Um, but it's it's a building a bridge um, between science and society um, on on uh, animal-related questions. To say, um, well, for instance, in, in, in the discussion where, where we once started as a pilot, um, in, in separating cows from calves, um, what you see is that um, uh, at, at least also in, in the Dutch context, um, a lot of discussion from the science perspective was about welfare. So what's the impact on the calf? What's about the, the, the mother cow? <coughs> and um, what's the best practice um, to, to separate the animals? That's of course good. So, so you could say if you see the discussion coming up in, in, in public, um, we have to, well, let's say, start a PhD project uh, or even bigger um, on, on, on animal welfare. But at the same time, what you, for instance, see is that um, when this was plucked um, by one of the uh, an animal welfare of animal rights organizations, um, they put it on a specific period um, in time. Um, and that was not only in spring, but it was on one specific day, and that was Mother's Day. And of course, you could say that's that's kind of playing with emotion because the mother-child relationship in humans may be different from that in um, the, the cow-calf. Um, but still, if you do not take that relational element seriously, also in your research, um, you might end up with perfect um, uh, welfare research that explain everything and maybe still end up and saying, well, we should change the current practice, doesn't matter. but um, you do not relate to that um, argument of um, uh, the, the relational aspect between 
um, mother and um, and child, um, or uh, elements of um, making a, a, an animal into an instrument. Well, you can doubt whether that has anything to do with the welfare of the animal. Yes, of course, if you also, that results in treating the animal badly, yes, but maybe you have other reasons to care for the animal, but see it as an instrument. From an ethical perspective, you could say that that already is something wrong. You shouldn't see a cow or a dog as an instrument. But that's not something you, you address with welfare research. So what we try to do with, with, with CENSA, so the Center for Sustainable Animal Stewardship, is to have a um, clear idea of what are public debates about, um, what does that imply for our research agenda, and, and how could we bring that um, together, um, and also to relate that to Im improving public debate. Um, uh, and we do that, to be honest, the, the, the most recently with, with stakeholders, so not so much with public um, general public in, 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 in the sense of lay people, but, um, for instance, we have a, a project on, uh, pest management, um, because we thought, um, it's interesting to see that if you do animal research with mice and rats, um, they're all kind of, of legal requirements of what you should, what you should uh, do. Um, but if you are confronted with the same mice and rats in, uh, um, in, in, in or around your house as pests, um, then suddenly everything seems to be allowed. Um, so we start discussing with um, stakeholders in that field and say, well, um, do, do you recognize that, that, well, we think problem, but, and, and the surprising thing was, or positive surprise, but that um, a lot of those professional organizations said, yes, and it also fits in our striving to go more to prevention rather than only looking at how to kill as much as possible um, all those rats and mice. So so that's a, a way also now where we work together with stakeholders um, from science to um, improve um, their practice. Um, in, in terms of really public debate, um, we, we organize um, each year um, the... Uh, it's called in industry dieren dialogue um, so it's the the um, animal and animal dialogue uh, annual animal dialogue with um, around um, under 20 people um and what we try is to say um if you come as a professional um you actually are only allowed to come if you also bring um your neighbor or your friend or so as a non professional um that of course did not really work out in the sense that it was half half, but uh, at least the, the second one last year, um, November, we ended up with 30% um, non-professionals. And there we, we had small group discussions, um, on specific themes. Um, and, and that really is interesting because these, um, non-professionals start to ask, um, very interesting questions. Um, why is that not possible? Or uh, why, are, why haven't you thought of it? Yeah. So, so you, you get, um, a different kind of discussions. Um, and that's also what we as, as sensors try to, to improve. So it's, it's really to, to make that bridge between, um, science and society. I find that it's really great that you, you um, take in people from outside of the professional world because they, you know, they tend to think outside of the box, as you said. So. Uh, I think it's it's really important to see their their questions as well. 
And now I'd like to talk a little bit about your projects in more detail because you work on many different very interesting areas. And so let's maybe start on the project on ethical capture and killing methods in trawl fisheries. What do we know about fish sentience for now? And what kind of ethical implications does this knowledge carry? Yeah, the, the, the interesting with, with fish, um, I, I, I started the, the first project, uh, I think back in 2008, it was on agriculture. Um, and what I learned from, from these projects is that actually the, the, the concept fish um, is is blocking a lot of discussion, um, and, and also in, in in those discussions on on, on sentience, because um, if I ask you, were to ask you and say, um, uh, what do you think about the welfare of of mammals? Then you probably say, well, mammals, what, which one? Yeah, do you talk about a dog or a cow? And because it makes huge difference. Um, but we 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 suddenly can seem to talk about welfare of fish, where, of course, the diversity within the group of fish is enormous. Um, and and to say, um, are fish sentient? Um, well, I, I do not know. But at least what I know is that those that we um, study properly um, all have um, at least very strong indications um, that they um, have, although they're, they're, they're a brain structure is different from mammals, um, but have all kind of indications that they at least can experience um, uh, pain um, or at least um, show behavior that is so complex, um, uh, which um, I think for, from an ethical perspective um, uh, leads to, to strong reasons to um, be, be very careful with it. And that's also the reasons with the, the, the one you mentioned on uh, the, the trawl fisheries, where the idea was to um, to try to include welfare um, in um, in innovations in fisheries, because um, it's it's quite often seen as so in, in agriculture you could say well um, we breed these animals they are under our care and therefore it's it's seems more um, common to um, talk about the welfare of fish, whereas in um, the context of um, fisheries, so so it's quite obvious. Well, okay, they, they as long as they are in the in the ocean or in the, in the seas, they are out of our control. Therefore, um, we do not have a responsibility. Um, so, well, um, it's it's out out of our hands, and and only if um, they are um, catched and on board, um, well, okay, then then the discussion starts. Um, whereas with innovation, um, it, the idea was. Well, the way you design um, those fishing gears um, has an impact on um, on their welfare, Maybe, even though they are still in in, in the ocean. Um, but the, uh, um, for instance, some of the fishing gear implies that they um, get get stuck, or uh, or because of the high density, um, some um, uh, get harmed because of the, the pressure. Um, and also from from other reasons than welfare, um, uh, so for instance, product quality, um, it was seen. Well, we, we have to change that, but to include welfare there as well, um, and also discussion on on stunning. Yeah, so uh, in, in in many European countries, we have um, strong debates on ritual slaughter, um, where we say, well, um, sometimes it's even forbidden. Others say, well, it's it's an exception, and um, that you are not. Uh, can, can slaughter um, unsedated, but with fish, 
um, it's a kind of common practice. And so, so there again, um, with all kind of, of difficulties of, um, uh, working safety as well. So it's, it's not, not, um, not, not easy. Um, but to include, um, welfare, um, in, 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 uh, in that context as well. Yes, it is definitely an ongoing discussion. And I believe, I hope to see um, maybe some legislation coming up soon from the European Union, for example, um, to protect fish better, because for now it's, it's non-existent. Yep. And another area of your interest is the ethics of animal testing. You've recently worked on a fascinating project on problems related to innovations in biomedical research. Could you describe the researched problem to our listeners? Yeah, that, that problem, um, in, or that research, was focused on a tricky issue. Um, we have been doing animal research for um, over 50 years, or at least in this systematic way um, in, in science we, we are accustomed now to. <clears throat> and the, the, the ethical assessment is always to say, well, actually you do something special to those animals. Uh, yes, um, there, there are welfare issues at stake. There are... Um, um, even a way of instrumental use, um, but um, we can outweigh that by the benefits. Um, now, with 50 years of research, we can look retrospectively and say, okay, but what what is the outcome? Yeah, so what is the benefit? Because the assessments you always make um, an advantage of the, uh, of, of the research. Um, and if you then do uh, systematic analysis, so, so uh, uh, systematic reviews um, of the current research um, and, and past research, um, it turns out that um, a lot of research quality um, could seriously improve, yeah? in the sense that sometimes um, it's about reporting um, in journals, but, but quite often it's also about design. Um, and that leads to this research project and say, okay, first, um, how could those um, systematic reviews um, help in improving, not only to saying, well, ha, 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 um, 20 years ago you did it wrong, but how could that um, information help us to improve um, um, current animal models? Also, because um, science quite often works in a way that um, the argument to choose for a certain animal model is because it worked um, in that and that uh, part of literature. So if, if we show, well, actually, um, yes, it has been published, but, um, that is not such a strong, um, um, uh, part of, of, of the, uh, uh, of the body of knowledge. Um, then it may be good to, to look for, um, improved, um, animal models or even, um, to, uh, look for animal free models. Um, so that's one is to improve models. It's also to look, um, if you see um, a kind of what do you say what, what we call the um, uh, translation um, re reduction um, paradox, um, where it's to say from a scientific perspective, um, it's very interestingly to focus as much as possible on one specific element. So um, yes, it is about colon cancer, but that's so complex um, you cannot study that in in one model. Um, so you take one element out of it. And study that. And then something comes out and, and we say, okay, um, th this could be helpful for, for human health. But in practice, um, quite often it only tells about 
let's say, a young mice in an inbred um, uh, strain um, under laboratory um, conditions. Whereas um, the end result should be with a older person, um, let's say from a specific social social economic background, um, in um, uh, in 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 a context um, where um, is um, a, a, a functioning um, without any health problems um, at all, or maybe um, also is suffering from through three other diseases as well. So the, the point is not only not only a mice is not a man, but also um, um, a laboratory animal or laboratory mice is not a human patient. And so from the patient perspective, you say we we have to look for much more complexity. Um, in in uh, in research, but from a scientific perspective, you say be as specific as possible because only then you could say um, uh, what what comes out from from your research. So so that's more close to um, also is a kind of philosophy of science. Um, how do you deal with with that um, complexity? Um, and these two elements, so so the the more fundamental. Study design and the improvement of, of models um, both have an impact on the ethical discussion because as long as you use um, uh, animals, um, there is that strong urge to say, well, um, first of all, um, we have to be very hesitant to, to use animals at all, and if so, um, there there should be a, a good reason for it. So, so that was the the, the project which. Uh, Aimed for improved what we call translational strategies. So to say, if you do research, hopefully um, in the future more and more animal-free, but um, uh, now still um, also with 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 animals, um, how could you improve that what comes out is also um, uh, used and and um, usable um, for a, a clinical context. And speaking of mice, these animals are a very specific species due to their completely different roles depending on context. Why do we see the same animal differently in varying contexts? Yeah, that's, that's a re remarkable element of, of our human-animal relationship, um, and and it's that's not there is not an easy um, explanation, I would say. Um, in the sense, from of course, from from the perspective of the individual animal, it, it doesn't make any difference whether um, it's it's living in in in, in nature or um, in in your backyard, or if you perceive it as as a pest. At at the same time, um, the 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 relationship we we have um, has a, has a direct influence on on how we behave, um, and sometimes you really can say it's it's completely inconsistent. But on the other hand, if you have animals um, invited yourself in your house, um, you, you of course by definition have a different relationship um, than when these mice um, invite themselves in your your home. Um, and um, well, whether they are real threats to to your um, health and safety is of course um, most of the time questionable. But um, that that really have an impact on on how we perceive them and, and see them, whereas um, if we encounter them in nature, um, you could still say, okay, we, we, we um, visit them, yeah? um, and whether we are always so humble that we see it as a visit them, um, it's, it's questionable as well, even there we, we try to be rather dominant. 
Um, so in, in that sense, it's, um, I would say if you, if you look at it from, from an ethical perspective, on, on the one hand, you could say, um, all animals are equal and especially these animals that comes from the same species are, are equal and should be treated equally. But on the other hand, um, I don't think it's, it's by definition a problem if you take context, um, into account in, in what you owe to animals. However, um, if, if context or if relationship really um, start to become the most important uh, component in in our um, dealings with animals. It, it's easy become become very arbitrary. So in the idea that um, the, the mice that I kept as for, for companion, um, if something goes wrong, I, I go to the vet. Um, whereas um, I I buy the most terrible, um, uh, let's say, uh, toxic material um, to kill uh, his his uh, colleague mice. Um, in in my um, in my garage, yeah. So so in that sense, um, I think we we need to find a balance um, between um, a, a kind of rigid idea in in which we'll say context is is not important at all um, on on the one extreme and the other to say um, well um, it's it's completely context or relation based and um, b- because then again I know we we touched upon that I think in in the previous questions already to to put the the animal more central so it it could be that also the the, the interest and and uh the desires of of an animal could be different if it lives in in nature or um, as a companion in um, in my home so in that sense that we treat them not completely um uh, equal in all, all circumstances as such doesn't um mean uh, a, a problem um, but the question is, do we still see, still see the animal as an animal? Exactly. And speaking of this, so do you think uh, your research can influence, for example, uh, developing new um, ways of maybe pest control? So I use the word pest because, you yeah. know, depending on the context, we, uh, as you said yourself, we name the animal and we treat it differently. So do you think this type of research could help? Yeah, but but we 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 currently have a a, a project uh, also resulting in 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 a PhD, hopefully within a few years, where we we try to include um, animal welfare more more prominently, also in the discussion of pest control. And and the interesting thing is that we we do that together with stakeholders from uh, the, the 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 profession of um, of pest controllers. And especially this group was to a certain extent easy to, to convince that welfare um, play a role um, and also fits into their idea of say, well, in, instead of controlling, um, preventing um, is as much um, as important um, as only um, solving all, all, all kinds of problems. Um, so the interesting thing is that, that because they were Working at least in, in 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 the Netherlands, but it's not not only specifically Dutch um, on on prevention. Um, they also see the the, the relevance of okay, if if it's um, important how to prevent uh, having these animals um, grow into a, a a threat to to health and safety. It's also important to take their interest to at least to a certain extent um, into account in in in, in the methods um, we control them. Um, where of course also controlling not necessarily imply in all all cases um, uh, killing them, but but there I think starting up this this type of um, of discussion um, and also showing well how could it be that 
in, in all kind of cases, also in terms of legislation, welfare or at least um, kind of animal cruelty um, is, is included and, and raised attention, but not um, or hardly um, in, in the context of pest control. Whereas at the same time, and that's interesting, um, uh, you already mentioned with, with kind of pest animals as, as between brackets, Every animal um, could be perceived, of course, as a pest. So it's not so much about an animal species as such. It's simply saying um, we think it's an annoying um, situation and we want to get rid of it. Um, and of course, there, there are more animals that, that are, are more easily perceived as pests. So, so the dogs and cats would be less. Although there you could say um, in, in discussions on stray cats, um, you, you also can perceive them as, as pets or as pests. True, it is, a, it is a very interesting discussion, I think. And another interest of yours is farming ethics. Uh, could you elaborate on this topic and explain uh, why it's important that vets understand this issue? Um, yeah, the, 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 the farming ethics is um, a, a line of thought that um, started, I think, already over 10 years ago, where there is a lot of discussion about the future of farming that is about farmers, but not so much a discussion with farmers. And um, that that is for a number of reasons problematic. Um, for the first, um, of course, they, they, they are um, directly involved. Um, uh, second is, is that you say in, in a public debate where um, everyone should have entrance to, to, to the debate, it's, it's strange if one party <clears throat> relatively play a, a modest role. The third point is that, that these farmers are, are professionals in the sense that they do not only do their job, but they, they have a, a role to play um, in, in, uh, in, in producing food, in, in, in uh, health and safety, in uh, uh, nature management. Um, and, but the interesting thing is that uh, from, from the study we did uh, was that um, the, 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 on the one hand, the farmers tend to um, operate in the public debate as as a kind of economic entrepreneurs, rather than they come up with all kinds of ideas about um, sustainable future or ethical issues, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But if you look at how um, the, the discussion has developed, um, it it is a kind of um, um, situation where where farmers started from a very broad uh, perspective of of values and, and concerns with regard to um, the local community, to their animals, to nature, and from the periods um, after World War II, um, it's, it's narrowed down in the sense that, well, okay, all the diversity is nice, but in the end, um, food security is, is the most important element, and, and that should be um, a, a, a efficient way of producing. So everyone had to, to go to that kind of paradigm and and those who didn't manage or didn't like uh, simply left farming and at the same time from from that perspective in in let's say the the, the 1980s 1990s suddenly um, you get a discussion say well we are overproducing um, we have environmental issues um, uh, animal welfare plays a role and of course these individual farmers have certain thoughts about it but you could say that that actually the Fundamental reflection, or, or at least the, the, the start of this discussion, the, the, the 1950s. So in that sense, it's, um, it's asking them to go back to, uh, value discussions. And um, they suppose not to have 
um, for for decades. And the interesting thing is that um, when you refer that to, to the veterinarians, they have to to decide on on their role as well. So you could say, as as a vet working in in uh, farm animal health and welfare, um, I'm I'm mainly a service provider. Yeah, so so I'm paid by by the farmer. And if he or she has certain um, issues, then I can offer my experience and, and my knowledge, um, and I do that in, in the best possible way. That's it. The other extreme uh, may be that you say, well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm completely independent. Um, I'm only there um, for uh, the, the animal. I think it's, it's important to, to be aware that I think if you are only the service provider, um, the, the professional status of the, of the veterinarian and also the license to, to operate is at risk. Um, at the same time, if you only play the complete external uh, person who is there for the animal, uh, it, it do not completely justice to the struggle farmers are confronted with, um, with all kinds of, of questions and discussions that comes from society, from government. Um, where I think and, and also see that, that veterinarians can be um, an interesting sparing partner, not only at that level of um, what kind of, of treatment do we start, of um, is antibiotics necessary in this case or not. Uh, I mean, that's, that's, of course, the main reason why you're there, but, but also on that discussions, um, how could I integrate um, animal welfare in, in, in a better way? Or uh, there is a, a discussion on zoonosis. Um, how could I include um, uh, public health issues in on, on my farm as well? So in that sense, did, did you have a, a... With keeping your independence as a professional veterinarian expert, but, um, be, be a, a kind of supportive team um, with, with the farmer. Do you think vets are ready to face ethical dilemmas in their everyday work? Um, well, the question is yes, because they have to. Um, so there is no escape. The question is, of course, um, do, do they feel comfortable with it and, and um, do they think they, they can, can manage? The, 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 the trigger is, of course, with, with those ethical dilemmas is once you are confronted with one, you almost could say you, you are, you're late. Um, yeah, uh, and, and of course, ethical dilemmas cannot be prevented because, um, life is not perfect and, um, you always have, have to make tricky decisions. Um, but I think also in my, my teaching, what I, I try to do is to enable, um, uh, future veterinarians, um, to, uh, make ethical assessment and, and make decisions, um, and, and have that discussion in an environment where you do not necessarily need to make the decision now. Um, I, I always call that the, the paradox of ethics. So when you need ethics, um, mostly the time for reflection is, is very small. Yeah. So because you have to decide now, you cannot say if you are confronted with um, a, a, a dog where you have to decide whether to euthanize or not, or um, with, with a, a, a cow, um, which you have to decide whether it's still going to go to, to the slaughterhouse or whatever other issue. Um, you cannot say, um, well, this is a dilemma. Uh, let's have a nice discussion for another 24 hours. Um, then I make um, a note on ethics and, and I will come back to you. And so you, you have to decide within a very tight framework. On the other hand, um, of the paradox is once you, you have um, a lot of time, um, to reflect and think on ethics. Most of the time you say, um, well, 
uh, it's nice during drinks or um, an, another social occasion. Um, but um, now I have 25 other things to do, um, which raise my attention. So, so the, the trigger is also um, for vets and, and, and also for um, veterinary practices um, that, that you arrange time to have the discussion among colleagues. Um, and, and that may be case-based. Um, it, it may be based on experience or what, or, or maybe even to, to have an idea that maybe not a standard, but at least that you, you share your, your positions, um, before you are confronted with the next case. And again, um, that doesn't guarantee that you are not confronted with difficult dilemmas. Um, but at least that you think, okay, um, I have thought with my colleagues on, let's say, um, difficult issues around euthanasia of a dog. That helps me at least to say, okay, this this is quite close to a discussion we had three weeks ago. Um, but um, maybe this is a little bit different um, for this and this re reason, and therefore I decide in this case uh, to start treatment. Um, yeah, uh, as I said, it, it's always. Um, requires the professional attitude and professional freedom and um, because i i don't think it's it's helpful um in this kind of dilemmas to um to take from your pocket a kind of, of decision framework and that says okay we are now at, at stage 25 um yes no 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 yes yes okay then the answer is three yes i mean that, that's not how ethics works um of course you can can make that type of of decision uh, frames but then it implies that someone else um, more or less make up the decision for you. And I think that's that's very um, undesirable for a, a professional like a, like a vet. It would really be wonderful if vets, for example, have these case rounds, but, you know, with an ethical kind of implication that this is, these are actually case rounds to discuss the ethical framework that they, like they, they made decision, which yeah. they made decision, they, yeah. uh, which they made their decision on and yeah it would be great yeah. to see see yeah. these um these meetings happen is yeah. this is this a thing do, do you know maybe if this is a thing that happens in the netherlands in some clinics or is this not a very popular thing yet uh when it's popular i don't know but but i know that that uh it, it happens it is also um something that maybe not so much at the level of veterinary practices uh, so local ones um, but that it happens in 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 Facebook or WhatsApp groups, um, yeah. So that that people share and and that sometimes um, is is more on the uh, veterinary issues, uh, but but quite often also at least linked to these more um, normative questions as well. Yeah, I see it on on Facebook or WhatsApp groups as well. But I was just you know curious if, for example, because on Facebook it's always easier to talk about these things. Because I feel like you know people kind of feel that, you know, they're safe because they're behind a screen. And I think it would be so, it would be so great to see people actually meeting in real life, you know, and like and speaking yeah. to each other yeah. um, at a table. But of course, this is, this is a step forward, definitely. And if there was one thing that you could change in the way vets understand ethics and apply their knowledge and practice, what would it be? Oh, um, what Maybe, and that's always a joke I have with, with one of the vets I, I, I closely work also in, in, in teaching. And he always funny say, well, um, we as vets always want to solve problems. Um, and you as an ethicist, um, are terrible because you, you only make things more complicated. 
Um, and to a certain extent, that, that, that is a, a tricky issue of ethics. And uh, we, we even have in, in the Netherlands a, a, a former uh, minister and, 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 and uh, a professor in, in, in the life sciences, and he always compared ethicists with cab drivers. And he said, well, um, it's, an ethicist is just like a cab driver. So, so if you, you um, enter a, a cab and the taxi driver, he, he can talk about you with you Every topic you like, yes, whether it's football or politics or COVID nineteen, um, he has an opinion. Um, and with these ethicists, it's more or less the same. Yes, so they they talk with you anyway. With that difference is that uh, the the taxi driver can bring you from A to B, um, and the ethicist doesn't do that at all. Um, bringing back to your question, I think um, what you see with the vets is that they very much are are prone to to be that. Um, taxi driver bringing the farmer or the um, uh, companion animal keeper from A to B. So they they solve the problems. They they treat the animals. Um, so they're very much in 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 a kind of action mode. And I think in in most of the cases that that's perfect. Um, but especially in ethical issues, um, they it would be good to to um, ask three questions first um, before they start to run. Um, in the sense that. And the question is, is this really my problem? Uh, is this, um, something that, that I, uh, I'm asked to do be, because of, um, the odor? Um, or is this really, um, my preference? Um, yeah. Um, and, and that to a certain extent that slow, slows down the process, um, but also can help at least to prevent it. Um, if you look at yourself in the mirror, um, uh, during the day or during the night, that you think, okay, but what, what did I do? Yeah, so so in that sense, um, may, maybe um, a little less um, action mode and a little slowing down um, uh, than than still um, the the average vet is still um, very problem solving minded. So so don't don't change that one. But yeah, it would be wonderful to see a world where vets could slow down a little bit. You know, taking into account, for example, the the way clinics are just always so busy, overbooked. Yeah, that, but I do really point. hope. It, it, uh, in, in practice, I, I fully understand how it happens. Um, but 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 also when when I discuss cases with with students, it's quite often the first question I ask is, okay, but but whose problem is it actually? And and then they they become silent for a moment and they say, well, actually, actually, it's it's the owner's one. Yes, exactly. So, so why should you solve um, his his ethical problem um, uh, directly? Um, maybe you should ask him um, why he um, put this on your table, um, why he think this is a problem, and um, uh, with with sometimes that um, it turns out that that it is much more a an issue of communication rather than that there is a real moral issue. So our last question is always, what kind of advice would you give to vets of tomorrow? Um, well, I, I think keep open-minded. And, and the keep open-minded is in the sense that um, you you are trained in, in a very um, a special way with, with a lot of uh, interesting expertise. And, um, and uh, the other week, um, someone said to me, well, um, if you have really something special um, as a human, go to a vet, um, because human doctors quite often um, think of of, of standardized um, uh, treatments and diagnoses, whereas 
um, a vet is is already trained to um, uh, to deal with an, a number of of animal species. Yeah. So so um, and I think that type of open mind um, on on the medicine, um, uh, I think. It would be good to have that also um, in, in in wider issues of dealing with with society. Um, you come across, uh, and not only come across, you, you I think you even at a crossroad um, of a lot of um, uh, stakeholders, um, uh, the, the individual owner, but at the same same time uh, breeders, um, a farmer, but at the same time. Um, a feed company or milk company. So, um, you, of course, you, that doesn't mean that you, you have to deal with, with all those issues. And that's again, uh, the risk you run with, with the former question. Um, but the fact to, to be aware of that unique position, uh, could paralyze. Um, but at the same time, I think if you, if you deal with that, um, in a independent way, um, you can be a, a really strong professional and um, really can make a difference for the profession, um, but also for, um, for, for the animals. And I think in the end, um, also for, for their owners. Thank you so much, Frank, for this lovely conversation and these wonderful words. Thank you. You're welcome. My pleasure. <laughs>